Yeah, Sadia, I want to call her up because she has a powerful testimony that she wanted to share with us this afternoon. And guys, please listen. <laughs> this, is, this is awesome. So please give it up for Sadia as she shares with us. Amen. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, so tomorrow makes a year that I gave my life to the Lord. Amen. Um, um, before God, I was living in a homosexual lifestyle, so... It was pretty crazy how God transformed me into someone that's completely new. Uh, before God, I was, I, was like, I was seeking guidance in a lifestyle that God didn't even want. So here I am trying to find salvation and forgiveness in something that God doesn't even intend in people. So when I gave my life to God, my eyes opened and, you know, Jesus delivered me from a homosexual lifestyle to someone that's completely Amen. new. Um, the scripture that really got to me throughout this entire change is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone has in Christ, wait, I lied. <laughs> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Amen. So I just, oh, thank you. Amen. So I just encourage if anyone knows someone that's in a lifestyle that, you know, they say they're born this way, but God says be born again. So come on. anything is possible. So let's just pray. Uh, Father God, I pray for those that are seeking guidance in the lifestyle and those that are trying to find you and they're so lost and they're so confused. And God, I just pray that you call them into this church and, this church and that they give everything they have and just give to you, Lord. Um, I pray that you bless the service all the way down to the worship, to the fellowship, to the, to the word. And God, I pray that those that are here today and they're not saved, that they, are, that, you know, that they do get saved in your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We want to, we just want to bless your name today, God. And we, I just want us to feel free to move in this place because God is good. We're just going to bless him today because he's just got a blessed name. This is, this is an alive church. Hallelujah. Blessed be.
Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Blessed be your name, King of Kings. Blessed be your name. You are the Lord God of everything, oh God. And we give ourselves to you today. Though we may end up in a dark place, God. Though we find ourselves in deserts and wildernesses, God, you are the one that we can always say, blessed be your name in every single circumstance, whether we are on the mountain high or we are in the valley low, God, you are worthy to be praised, and that's what we want to do this morning, because it's blessed be your name, oh God. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, Jesus, blessed be the name. Spirit, we just feel you in this place, God, and I just thank you, God, for coming and knowing us, God, that you give the promise of a new life, even after we feel like we've messed up this life so much, God, we are not who we used to be, and you've touched each of us in such a way, God, I pray we would never forget that.
life, resurrection life. We are a generation filled with the power of Christ. And our song, it will be out of the darkness. Out of the darkness, we will rise.
presence is sweet, God. Oh, Jesus. Because you have paid the highest price, oh God. And when I think about just what you've done on that cross and just <laughs> what life would look like without you, and I find that I'm, I am humbled at your feet, oh God. I'm nothing without you, but I am everything with you, God. And sometimes we just got to get to that intimate place with you, God, where we can say, if it weren't for you, I'd still be broken. And if it weren't for you, I would still be doing the same thing I did yesterday, and I would still have a Christ-shaped hole in my heart. And I just pray today that that would soak in, that... Man, we are so free because he was willing to suffer and die, and he knew he was going to do it. Before we knew him, he knew he was going to do it. And I'm so thankful, God. Because he has paid the highest price. He has proven his great love for us. And we will praise him with our lives. And proclaim our love for him. Let's sing that again. Lift up your hands all across this room. Come on. Jesus paid the price we couldn't he pay. He has paid the highest price. He gave it all. He gave everything. And he has proven his great love for He left the glory us. of heaven to come and be with us. And we will praise him with our lives. We praise you, Jesus, today. Come on. Hallelujah. And proclaim our love for him. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you came. You paid a price we could never pay on our own, oh God. You are worthy of our lives. This afternoon we give you our praise, our worship, our adoration. Come on, faith, lift up your voices today. He has proven his love for us. And I will surrender with my life. Hallelujah. And proclaim my love for him. God, we love you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move right now. I want us to prepare to sing the verse where it says, He is Jesus. He is glorious. We serve an awesome God, saints, this morning. The King of the universe, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. 
the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the faithful one. He is the glorious one. His name is Jesus. The name above every other name. He's the one we're worshiping. Hallelujah. Our hope is in you, Jesus. Healing right now. He is hope and joy, love and peace and life. He is I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And this message is for those of you today who are not born again. You are not living right for God. Maybe you were at one time and you backslid or you've, this is new to you and you've just not made that commitment. You keep rejecting Jesus. I want you to listen today. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. That is the Apostle Paul speaking. And this is a message that deserves full acceptance, meaning it shouldn't be rejected. It's not a lie. It's a trustworthy saying. And for those of you today who have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, you have not allowed him to come in. You have not asked him to forgive you of your sins. You are still in a state. Uh, in the state of being a sinner. And the only way for you to be rescued, the only way for you to be saved is through Jesus Christ. It is his blood that washes us clean. We all needed to be rescued. We all needed to be saved. And Jesus was our savior. 
And if you think of the tragedies that happen in the world, all the things that happen, whether it's an earthquake, a tsunami, floods, when there's rescue teams, rescue workers that get sent out to help these victims, you never see a victim reject the rescue. They don't say, you know what, I'll just stay hanging on this tree until the waters recede. Just, I'll be good, just leave me alone. Or if they're in a flood and the flood waters are raging and they're trying to get rescued and they're throwing a lifesaver, you never see a victim say, I don't need it. I'll be okay. I'll just, I'll just wait this out. Never. We never see victims who are being rescued reject the rescue. Every single person on the planet needs a rescue and a rescuer, and his name is Jesus. And so many are rejecting this rescue. They're rejecting the salvation that comes from Jesus alone. And there is a time that's going to come, and we will leave this earth, and we will face eternal damnation in hell or eternal uh, eternal glory in heaven. And the determining factor of where we go is if we've accepted Jesus. That's why he came, because he wanted to save us. So with all eyes closed all across this room, you know today if you're not right with God. And the Bible says you're not promised tomorrow that today is the day of salvation. And as I begin to pray, I want you to pray to Jesus and I want you to ask him to forgive you of your sins. And I want you to say, God, today is my day that I surrender my all to you. Lord, I thank you for every single person in this room who is hearing the good news, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that you came into the world to save sinners. And I ask, oh Lord, that by your loving kindness, you will draw all men unto repentance, that today would be their spiritual birthday. Today would be the day that they are born again and they get right with you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. You can stand up to your feet with me, please, this afternoon. We're going to have prayer workers here to the side. Ricky and Rachel, an awesome couple, powerful man and woman of God. They will pray with you during the fellowship time. I want to encourage you, go to them if you want to get right with Jesus and to find out how to join the discipleship here at MPI. At this time, we're going to recite this confession of faith together as a church family. The reason why we do this every week is because this is our Christian worldview. This is the lens in which we see our world. We see the society around us. We stand on the word of God. So if you're with me, let's do this together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, clap it up for Jesus. Spend some time fellowshipping and meet somebody that you don't know. God bless.
Amen. Who's excited to be at church this afternoon? Make some noise. Come on. It is so beautiful and wonderful to see all your faces. Thank you, everybody, for joining us at MPI. On behalf of all the leaders, all the pastors, we thank you for choosing this service this morning to come and worship the Lord. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. We're so proud of our youth. They're rocking it out for Jesus. We also want you guys to join us for our All Nations Dinner. Who's excited about that? Come on. November 15th. For both of our services at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. that Sunday, we're going to have an all-nations dinner where you get to come and represent your culture and bring a dish that represents that and just come hungry, come with plenty of food in your hands to share. We're just going to have a good time. Invite your friends and family. It's going to be wonderful. We kind of do that annually, and it's always a good turnout. People just love representing their nation. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Look to your neighbor. Say, love God. Look to your other neighbors. Say, love people. That's what we want to do here. That is our vision. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us, and that's how we want to live our life. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. The way we want to connect you to the church and connect you to, the, to, the, to Jesus is through our life groups. If you could wave your hand out in the air just like this, come on, wave it up. Don't be shy. Look behind it. You're going to see our life group schedule for this quarter. Pick a place for you to belong, you and your family. There's so many different types of life groups, times and places. Pick one and get plugged in, get connected. Here's a snapshot of what's starting just for this week alone. This is what's happening. We're kicking it off today with our marriage life group. Child care is included today at 5 p.m. If you are married, you have got to be there today. My father-in-law and mother-in-law will be sharing the word, bringing forth a powerful insight and wisdom on marriage and finances. Tuesday, we have the Resistance Elevate Life Group. Come on, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. here at the church. Wednesday, every week, we have a life group for King's Kids. Infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. If you have children in that age group, you want them to be here on Wednesdays. We have Royal Rangers Boys Club and Impact Girls Club. That's their life group. That's where our children get discipled. It's an awesome time for them. And then parents, you get free time, okay? Thursday, our gang outreach is hit in the streets, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Meet at that address. It's a powerful ministry. Uh, Friday, we have two adult Bible studies. One at the, is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. for both of those Bible studies. Child care is included, so if you're an adult, that's where you want to be on Friday nights. Start building friendships in the church uh, getting closer to the Lord, getting into the Word with other brothers and sisters. It's going to be an awesome time for you. And then Saturday, our evangelism team meets here at the church, 5 p.m. All ages are welcome. And we always want to encourage and challenge you. If you've never preached the gospel on the street, never been street witnessing, you want to join that team to do it. It's going to be awesome. It will change you, grow you, and they will teach you all that you need to know. Then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor. We have leaders ready to take you through the 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. So if you're new to the church, you've been around for a while, we want to we see you get discipled through the 101, find a leader to do it. When you graduate the 101, that's when you get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where the discipleship journey will continue, and we want to train you to be a leader in the church. Then we want to send you out to keep winning more souls. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples. Yes, 100,000. That is what we want in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you want to be a part of that number, say amen. 
because we've been praying for you to be a part of that number. Look to your neighbor and say, they've been praying for 10 years. So you are not an accident. This is where God wants you to be. We're going to finish off section three. Come on. It's such an awesome section that we've been on in the Disciples Giving book. And section three was all about stewardship. We're going to be closing it out, starting a new section next week. But we're closing it out with lesson 14, Stewards Leave an Inheritance. This is a very interesting and powerful uh, lesson today. Stewardship, as we've been learning for the past several weeks, is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. And the scripture that we're going to be reading from is Proverbs 13, 22. You can go there in your Bibles or follow along on the screen. How many of you guys have learned over the past several weeks that, steward, that God wants us to be wise managers, to steward everything that he's given and entrusted to our care so that we could bring him glory? In Proverbs 13, 22, it says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Let's keep reading to learn the three main points from that verse. Number one, a good person. The Bible, especially the book of Proverbs, commands people to do good by forsaking evil. Therefore, it is a good thing for Christians to leave an inheritance for their children and grandchildren. And that's, that's what has to start now. The planning behind that starts in our life now. We've got to be faithful with what God has given to us so that we can leave a blessing and inheritance for our family that comes after. And if you could think of your own life, if that was done for you, how much of a blessing it's been for your life. Good parents, good grandparents. If you didn't have that inheritance passed down, you can see that you would want to one day help your children out. So the planning, the stewardship starts today. Number two, leaves an inheritance. An inheritance is basically the act of passing on material goods, wealth, and property to someone else after you die. The Bible states that our inheritance should primarily be given to our children and grandchildren. And that should be a desire and that should be a goal. And number three, sinners' wealth. Those sinners, non-Christians, may give an inheritance to their family now. Ultimately, everything they have will remain on the earth after they die. As a result, when Jesus comes back to reign upon the earth for a thousand years, all their wealth will belong to the righteous eventually one day. Here's a summary that we could apply here. Work hard and plan ahead so you can give your family an inheritance. If we work hard, we make those plans, we could leave an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Let's apply this to our life in three ways. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, start planning your inheritance by living below your expenses so you can save and invest the excess. And number three, then make a will, purchase life insurance, and set goals for your savings. How many of you guys like that little uh, lesson today? It was so powerful. So many practical things that we can apply to, apply to our life today. If you want to do that, let's confess this over our life. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If you're ready to give the Lord your best, let's stand up together on our feet this afternoon. Again, here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% of your total income. 
and an offering is anything above that which we designate towards missions and building. Currently, we are on that building fund to raise the monies for the lit up sign to go across the building. Thank you for partnering with us. We're so close. You guys have been so generous. We're doing it together. Uh, we also have two other convenient ways for you to give or purchase items in the church using a debit or credit card. One is online at our easy-to-use website, and the other is in the back, either with myself or oh, Pastor Griselle does in first service. So if you, need, if you want to do that, you could ask me after service if you have any questions. Let's recite this verse together. Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are our greatest example of generosity, of faithfulness, Lord. And we give our tithe and our offerings to you today. I pray that you would use it, multiply it. Bless the gift and the giver, God. I pray that we would see your uh, kingdom work in Chicago and all of America and all the nations. Let the gospel be preached to the ends of the earth. And I pray that you would bring promotions and raises and open doors of employment. That we would um, have all that we need, Jesus, according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. Please come forward as you give and thank you so much for your generosity. Amen. How many love Jesus? Can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah. hallelujah. <laughs> Scared my dad. If you love Jesus, can I get a what? What? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6. Wow, it is a good day. I'm so happy my parents came. They're going to be doing that marriage life group today. If you can do it, I'm telling you, you want to be at that life group. Do what you can to be there. They have child care. Everything is made easy for you. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. We're in a sermon series on the kingdom of God. We have been discussing different aspects of the kingdom, and today we're going to be learning about kingdom principles. Are you guys ready for kingdom principles? You guys excited? I know you don't sound excited. It's like 
October has come. The frost on the grass is here. The Cubs lost yesterday, and some of you are letting it get to you. So I want everybody to stand up with me. Put down your Bibles real quick, your phones. Everybody stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Everybody put your fingers and hands up in the air. Go like this. Go, spirit fingers. Don't let me down. Now go to your other side. Go to this side right here. Everybody turn to the right, your left, and give somebody a back rub right now. Come on. There you go. Give somebody a back rub. There you go. Have your daughter give you one. You're going to do it for her. Okay, now everybody go spirit fingers. Don't let me down. Now face the other way and give them a back rub. It's your turn. It's your turn. There you go. Loosen up a little bit. Can you give your mommy one? There you go. It's good to be in church. You may be seated. You may be seated. I'll take your quietness that you're just, or you're, you're just so in love with Jesus today, you're at loss for words. So we've been talking about different aspects of the kingdom. Today we're going to be looking at Jesus' kingdom principles, or rather parables, which are principles, but we're going to be looking at the parables of Jesus. Now, if you don't know much about parables, you're going to get your mind blown today because they are awesome, and Jesus told them all the time. But let's go to our opening scripture here, and let's see the Lord's Prayer. We've been reading it every single week, this series in September and October, and we're going to be ending out next month, I mean next week, with the sermon, The Kingdom Coming. The Kingdom Coming. Everybody go, ooh. So we're going to be talking about the end times next week. So I want you to bring all your friends that want to learn about the end times. I'm going to talk about signs of the time, false prophets, false Christ, um, all of the things going on in the world, natural disasters, earthquakes. I've been teaching this for a long time, and every time I do it, I usually do about once a year, something on the end times, I bring it to another level. So I'm believing that this sermon next week is going to be the greatest I've ever done on the end times, the most research, the most up-to-the-date information, and yes, I will be giving you the day Jesus will be coming back. I will be making my prediction. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. you got to buy the book for that because you know I'm not giving that away. No, I'm kidding again. Kidding again. Half kid. No, I'm not going to be making any predictions, no dates, none of that. I'm just going to be explaining what's going on in the world according to the Bible. So you have a job to do this week. I have a job to do, and I'm going to get ready for that sermon. But here we are today learning about the parables of Jesus. But let us first be reminded why the kingdom of God is so important. We're going to learn about the kingdom of God parables, the things that help us understand the principles of the kingdom. But let's understand first why it's so important. Let's read this prayer together on the count of three. One, two, three. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. How many believe that? Amen. So we've been talking about, uh, specifically, this whole sermon series is about the kingdom of God. Now, if you believe in God, that means you believe in his kingdom because with God comes the dwelling of God and the authority of God and the power of God. And when we talk about those things that God possesses, we're talking about his kingdom. So in heaven is where the Father and Son live right now. They're actually there presently. And through the Holy Spirit, the, the, the presence of God comes through the third person, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit 
Spirit breaks in into our world from that world. And so the prayer that we should always be praying is what's going on up there will break in across the barrier of the human experience, into the human experience, uh, into our lives. And so we've learned that how do we get into the kingdom? We get into the kingdom by being born again. Everybody say born again. Now, since this is the second service, and I like to go slow because there's a lot of new people in the church that come here, I'm going to review with you once again the different aspects of the kingdom of God. All I'm doing is going to the website, looking at our uh, sermon series here, going back to the first one. Everybody say the kingdom of God. Thank you. And here are the three different aspects. The first sermon that I preached on the kingdom of God. Here are the three different aspects. Number one, the kingdom there. Everybody say the kingdom there and point like this. Pretends you just hit a home run. There you go. The kingdom there. You're pointing up to God saying thank you, Lord, right? So the kingdom there is where the Father and Son sit on thrones, receive worship from angels and the saints who have gone before us. They're there. Now everybody say the kingdom here. Now the kingdom here is where God invades us into our hearts by the rebirth through the Holy Spirit. And it's not physical in nature, but it is spiritual. So God invades your heart. God comes into your life and actually changes you. And then everybody say the kingdom coming. Now that is what I'll be talking about next week is how the kingdom, of co- uh, the kingdom will come. John referred to this time when in the future God would literally rule and reign on earth as Jesus as our king. So right now there's a kingdom there in heaven and right now we can have the kingdom in our heart and then we're waiting for the kingdom to come upon the earth. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now all I'm doing is just going here to back to the kingdom of God series on our page right there, and then going to today's notes. How many are happy you have notes online? And then after every week, you get the sermon as well, the YouTube video. Okay, so now let us understand why we need to know about this aspect today, the parables. Jesus, God in the flesh, was the wisest man that ever walked the earth. Yet when he spoke, children could clearly understand him. So this child would understand Jesus. That's how smart he was. So in all of his wisdom and supernatural ability, he chose one main method. Everybody say one main method. Thank you. One main method to communicate the endless wisdom of heaven, parables. And what is a parable? A parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. And so we're going to look at the parables Jesus used to help us understand the kingdom of God. Now, as I have you looking here at the definition of kingdom of God, I want you to think about some of the parables you've already heard in the times you've read the Bible that relate to you information about the kingdom of God. So let's start off with this. How many of you remember or could recall a parable of Jesus, a parable that he told? Like two of you? Okay, do you guys read your Bibles? Now, I just want to be really honest right now. I'm going to be looking at every single one of you, and I want to know whether or not you know parables of Jesus. So if you do, this would really be important for you to raise your hand, okay? If you know a parable of Jesus, raise your hand. Okay, so I'm going to be helping some of you today. That's okay. I'm going to help some of you. Don't be embarrassed. I'm going to help you, and I'm going to help some of you guys. This whole row, you guys are going to learn parables, okay? You're going to learn parables. How about this? Anybody ever ever hear about the Good Samaritan? Guess what that's about? The kingdom of God. You might say, oh, well, the Good Samaritan, that's just about helping people. But why do we help people? Because we're supposed to be in the kingdom of God right now. So what's the story there? The the story of the Good Samaritan is a parable about a man who got beat up, robbed. Then Jewish leaders came by. The priests of that day did not help him, but a Samaritan helped him. And in those days, Jewish people and Samaritans did not get along. So it would be like telling the story in the deep south in the 1960s and having it be white 
and black, and the hero of the story is the Samaritan, the African-American. And the one that got beat up was the white guy, and he got beat up by white people, and white people didn't help him, but the African-American did. Are you listening? That's what it meant to them at that time. See, that was a parable teaching a kingdom principle, and it was destroying racism. It wasn't even just about helping somebody because they knew to help their own people. It was to teach them to help all kinds of people. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. That's a parable right there. But why is that parable coming out of Jesus' mouth? It's because it's about the kingdom. In the kingdom, there is no, there are no many races. There's just one race, the human race. And when we're born again, we're all sons and daughters of God. There's another famous uh, parable that you guys may know. It's the prodigal son. Anybody ever hear that one? Prodigal son, he, he's being raised in his family's house. He has a brother. He goes to his dad and he says, I don't want to keep working like my brother. Give me the money that you've stored up for me. Let me have it now, not when you die. Let me get my inheritance. The father is nice enough to give it to him. He goes out and he spends it. He wastes it. He parties. Just like a guy like we know, Lamar, Kardashian. Anybody keep up the Kardashians? Chloe's ex-husband, Lamar, famous basketball player right now, is in a coma, about ready to die if something doesn't happen because he was doing drugs and prostitution in Nevada. That's what the prodigal son did. He didn't die. He didn't get into a coma, but he almost lost his mind, and then he lost his money. And then there he went to work for a farm. He couldn't get afford to even buy food. He ate the pig food. How many of you know you're hungry if you eat pig food? Have you ever seen pig food before? We're going to do a lot of teaching today, okay? I'm just going to start with pig food, okay? Let's just start with pig food. Are you guys up today? Okay, like, I don't know if you're up, but I'm going to show you pig food, okay? Because many of you guys did not grow up on the farm, and you wouldn't know what pig slop looks like. So when you're feeding pigs, what you feed them is everything from the table that you didn't eat. So if you were feeding a pig, you would be putting all your garbage in there. Now, this kind of looks more like a pretty one, but you can see some bones in there. But when I would hang out with my, my uh, grandpa on the farm, his pig slop was not pretty, or whatever he fed the animals. Let me give you some stuff right here. I think this will give us a big, big, better picture of what we're looking at. So how many know you would have to be hungry if you would want to eat what this pig is eating right here? Okay, now that's the prodigal son. So the prodigal son, he used to live in a mansion. He had a lot of money. He wasted it all. And now he's broke, busted, and disgusted. He's eating what pigs are eating. And he gets a thought in his mind, I might as well just go home, ask my parents to forgive me, my dad to forgive me, and just go be his slave because I'll be better off being a slave than living here. And the story, the father sees him a long way off, runs out to meet him, embraces him. Not only does he forgive him, but he gives him the signet ring, the sign of authority, like a credit card, says you're back in the house, you can, whatever is mine is yours, puts a robe on him, throws a party. And then guess what? The other brother gets jealous and says, I've been here this whole time. You've never done this for me. And now we learn that the prodigal son is not just about one son. That, that parable is actually about two. It's about the brother who never appreciated his father and was jealous. And then it's about the man who wasted everything he had. And the moral of the story is appreciate your father and live for him. How many know that story? Now you can do if you've never heard it before. But you know what's great about that? is that Jesus told that story for the purpose of the kingdom. So how many kingdom parables do you know? If you know any parable of Jesus, you know a kingdom parable. You know parables that reveal things about the kingdom of God. Here's what it means to be in the kingdom. It is the Father's dominion over all creation, ruled by His Son and our King, Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Now, once again, what is that definition of a parable? It's a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. I love parables. 
In Jesus' day, they didn't have movies or TV. So what he did is he used his words to describe the principles that he was going to teach the people. Now, open up your Bibles with me to the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 33. Don't get lazy just because the karaoke screen is here. I want to see you turning to scriptures in your Bible. And I want you to see how important parables were to Jesus. And as we learn today, they should be important to you. Now, as you're going to Mark, chapter 3, I want to tell you I love parables, and I love making up parables, and I also love borrowing some from the people that I've heard preach. I don't know if you've been around me long enough, but you guys probably have heard me say the parable about the man who rode a unicycle on a tightrope. Has anybody heard that parable? Well, you know, at least I'm not in bad company. I'm with Jesus now, because if you all don't remember Jesus' parables, probably don't remember many of mine. It's like three people raised their hand. But how many have ever heard me tell a parable? Brian in the back. Thank you, Jose. Some of you here. Tell the story about the man on a used cycle and a tightrope. You can ask Jose if you want to hear that. How many remember earlier on in this series, I told a story, a parable, that kind of had that that horror uh, movie twist to it where you would imagine if you were in a room, dark, locked away, and you heard scary sounds, but yet you heard your friend getting rescued. Did anybody remember that parable? If you think that's crazy, that's okay. It sounds a little crazy, but you should talk to uh, Maria. She remembers it, right? She'll tell you about it. And so I, as a preacher, when I look to Jesus, I go, this is the master communicator. So I need to be like him. And the challenge is not only for us to learn of the parables, but we should be challenged to teach these to our children and to make them relevant to the people around us. As you notice, just when I was talking here about the prodigal son, some of you weren't really paying attention. But the moment I said Lamar from the Kardashians, that got your attention. You see, I made it applicable to how you could understand it. You see, if I say just the prodigal son, some of you get lost in that. But if I say a guy like Lamar takes all of his money and wastes it, you get the idea. And see, we need to be able to do that in this culture to explain the gospel in ways that people can understand. Can I get an amen? That's for all of us. Now look at Jesus here, Mark chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 33. It says, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them. So how did Jesus speak the word to them? With what? parables. That's how Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. Verse 34, he did not say anything to them without using a parable. So get this principle. Whenever Jesus was talking, it always involved a parable. So if you don't like parables, you don't like what Jesus has to say. If you think parables are childish or they're beneath you, you're not going to be a friend of Jesus then. Jesus God in the flesh had in his word for us to get his method from Mark, the gospel writer, that teaches us he did not say anything to them without a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. And so here we see is that the parables were told. But only the disciples got the explanations. And so in our church, we do discipleship. You heard about the 101 and the 201. That's important so that you can have a further explanation of what's being taught to you throughout the week. Now, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Keep the place that you were just at. And now start in verse 1 because I want to show you six parables of Jesus in this passage. How many are ready to read your Bible? Amen. We are going to read 40, uh, excuse me, 52 verses of the Bible. Are you guys ready to hear from Jesus? Now, this is going to determine whether or not you love Jesus. Because I, in this message, am actually going to speak the least amount of my words 
and the most amount of his words. So a lot of times I'll speak and then, you know, comment on Jesus' words, and that's okay because that's what pastors have to do. But today I'm actually going to be reading more of him than anything else. So literally this is a Bible lesson for you. So those of you who couldn't raise your hands before knowing a parable, not only did I just tell you two about the Good Samaritan and uh, the prodigal son, you are now going to learn six parables. You're going to learn about the farmer, the seed, and the four tar- types of ground. You're going to learn about the weeds and the wheat. You're going to learn about the mustard seed. You're going to learn about yeast and the dough, hidden treasure and the pearl of great price, and bad and good fishes. So are you guys ready? Amen. Let us go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 1, as we begin to see Jesus teach us these six parables about the kingdom. As we go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 1, we see that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds, excuse me just for a minute, I lost my spot here. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. How many things did he tell them? Many things. And what did he tell them in? Parables. So here's your first one. A farmer went out to sow seed. Now, everybody look up at me, please. See, right there and then, Jesus is connecting to his people. A farmer went out to sow seed. He's living 2,000 years ago. Most of the people were people of agriculture. In our day and age, this would be like, and a man went to go catch the bus to go to work. Or a woman went to her job. See, that would catch our attention. Jesus is speaking directly to where they're at. So when I was in India, I've been there three times, and I was actually reading some of these parables. It blew my mind to how real it was when you're in an agricultural community. So I would tell these stories, and then I would kind of catch myself, and I would go, like the farmer right here. like Because we would be out in the rice fields, and there would literally be farmers. And I'd go, like that guy. Or I would point to the animals, because Jesus talks about separating sheep from goats. And sometimes the goats would come into the village and into our services. And I would be like, like this goat, like this goat here. And then because they don't have a hospital system, because they don't have that for the poor, you'll see the sick just laying on the streets. And I'll say, like that sick man laying here is the one that Jesus went up to. Now, for you, you've got to use your imagination. You see, I think sometimes in our culture, we're so used to seeing it in 3D, on TV, in the movies, that we don't use our imagination anymore. See, a lot of English majors will tell you that reading books is better for the mind because you picture in your heart and mind what that person looks like. You don't let somebody else describe what it is. And I'll tell you what, I don't care how many superhero movies you've seen, my imagination is much greater than what we see on that TV. When we start talking about these kinds of things, I can put myself right there because our imagination is so powerful. It's so vast. So now you have to transport yourself to a rural community where they farm. Has anybody here ever been on a farm? Okay, like four of us here today. There's there's just not a lot of participation here. Let me just ask you guys this today. Do you want me to stop asking you questions? Or are we going to participate, okay? Because I need to know, are we going to participate? How many of you have been on a farm? Raise your hand. See, a lot more than the first time. Thank. Could we be doing this the whole service? Can we do this? Could we give that a try? Okay, let's give that a try. So all of you who've raised your hands, you've been on a farm, you may have seen something like this. Okay, so watch. A farmer went out to sow seed or plant seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. 
Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil, what produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Look to your neighbor and say, pay attention. That's exactly what Jesus meant by that. That phrase, he who has ears, let him hear, is Jesus speaking and saying, pay attention. Isn't that pretty awesome? So Jesus must have known what it was like to be in my place right now where a lot of people don't pay attention or where they get tired. They, sometimes they get hungry. Jesus is actually talking to those kinds of people. He's talking to people like you and me. And he says, hey, I just told you a story. Pay attention. If you have ears, you need to hear this. Now, if you remember what we just learned in the passage that we read, it says that he didn't speak anything to them. Uh, there was nothing that he ever said to them about the kingdom that wasn't in a parable. However, the explanations only came to who? Who did the explanations of the parables come to? The disciples. And so we see here the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? You see, if you had heard that, a man goes out, sows seeds, some falls on the ground, birds come and eat it. You ever feed birds at the park? Have some bread, whatever, boom. Are you seeing people feed, feed birds? Okay, he says, they just come and eat it. Other kind falls in a crack. Has everybody seen weeds in a crack before or something growing in a crack? It doesn't get very big. So we understand that. And then he talks about a plant growing up with weeds. And then the weeds choke it out. We see that all the time in our, in our neighborhood. So you've got to pull out the weeds. And then good soil producing good ground. We all know about that. But here's the point. Do you know what the spiritual kingdom principle is? Do you know what God was teaching there? Only if you know the explanation. Uh, Jose, can I have some water, please? Only if you know the explanation. So imagine you're the hearer. You hear that parable. You have no idea what it meant. How would you know what Jesus was talking about unless he told you? What did he mean? Thank you. What did he mean by the seed? What did he mean by the ground? What did he mean? What did he mean by the bird? What is the bird in that parable? You would have no idea what is the bird. The bird comes and eats that seed, it says. You would have no idea what the weed was. What are the weeds? What do the weeds mean? Weeds grow up in our life. What is the meaning behind that? So the disciples come to him in verse 10, and they say, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. So I want you to see this. There are secrets in the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is where you paying attention makes all the difference. If you don't pay attention, you will not understand the secrets of the kingdom. And right now, it may seem like the secrets of the kingdom are not that important because maybe they're sinners that live well, have good money, like the person we're talking about, Lamar and the Kardashians or Oprah Winfrey, and you may say, you know what? They don't live for God, and it's okay. They don't believe in Jesus, and it's okay. But you will soon find out that the secrets of the kingdom are actually the treasures of eternity. And if you don't have the secrets of the kingdom, you will have no treasures in eternity. And like my wife said today, everything they built up, everything Oprah has, I get when she leaves. Everything that Bill Gates has, I get. Because when judgment comes, they go to hell and I rule and reign upon the earth. Trump Tower will be my tower or your tower. All that this earth does, if they are not for Christ, will go to the hands of the kingdom. It will come into the Christian's life. Amen? Something to think about. Ruling and reigning. That's why the Bible says the wicked will be remembered no more. So do not be like the wicked. But he said, this is why I do it. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. 
So I want you to be very clear right here. If you do not pay attention today, if you do not study these things out, you will not get them, and I will not feel sorry for you. And you will suffer in eternity, and neither I nor God will feel sorry for you. You have a choice to whether or not you want to learn the secrets of the kingdom. If it is important for you, as I preach, to learn these secrets, God will speak them to your heart, and you will understand that the first parable I just read is the most important to understanding the rest because it has to do with the Word of God. And I'll get to that in just a moment, but just hear me when I say this. It is your choice in whether or not you have the knowledge of God and the secrets of His kingdom. Now look at verse 12. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So understand this. Parables are meant to be understood with your mind. God does not hold the child who does not have the knowledge to speak and to write and to talk to have to do good, to know the difference between good and evil. These are called, this is called like the age of accountability. Children before this age are not held accountable, and so God gives them mercy, they get to go to heaven. The mentally handicapped are not responsible, for they cannot process the information. But all those who have a mind and an understanding, all those who have maturity, and I think that's somewhere around the age of when the Jewish people bar mitzvahed their boys around 11 or 12. I think around that age, every man and woman is held responsible. Now listen. If you do not apply your understanding to the kingdom of God, what you have will be taken from you. And that means whatever good you have in life will be taken from you and you will be sentenced to hell. So no matter what you do with the little bit you have, if it's not for God, it will be taken away from you. But if what you have been given by God, that knowledge that you have, that ability to learn, if you apply it to the kingdom, you will be given more. So all of our inventors need to put their mind into the word of God to be blessed with God's wisdom. All of our scientists, all of our doctors, all of our lawyers, all of the smartest people among us need to give their wisdom to the things of God to understand it. Does that make sense? All of you here today, whether you're above average intelligence or not, it doesn't matter. You are held responsible for taking on the information of the parable and applying it to your life. I know that I've reiterated this a few times, but I'm only reiterating it because Jesus is reiterating it because it's that important to him. Moving on, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody about God and they don't understand? Have you ever tried to tell somebody, look at my life or look at the testimonies of God, and they see it, but they still don't believe it? You see, why is that? Their heart is hard. Their ears are closed. You're hearing it, and if as a Christian you're applying it, you're seeing the results and it's changing your your life, but they don't see it and they don't hear it, and they're right next to you. In Jesus' day, think about this. People have said all throughout my life, if I could see God, I would believe in him. Here is God in the flesh, and people are not believing in him. Jesus is walking around doing miracles. They're not believing in him, and they crucified him. And Jesus says, this is why I talk in parables, because they will see but not really see. They will hear and not really hear, because I'm not giving away my secrets. They have to want them and come humbly. In other words, he's saying, if you want to know about the kingdom, 
You better stop pretending like you, you don't need the kingdom. You won't come in pride. The only people God is accepting are the broken and the humble and the contrite. For the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of God. The one who says, I don't know, but Jesus, you know. The one who says, I can't, but Jesus, you can. To them, their eyes will be open and their ears will hear. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. I know people that go to church, they're ever hearing, but they're never understanding what they're hearing. You'll be ever seeing, but you'll never be perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. Their hearts are hard. They've heard about the cross a hundred times. They've heard about these things over and over and over again. But it doesn't change them. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I would what? And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Is anybody's eyes open today? Is anybody's ears hearing today? For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. How many know of somebody, uh, a, a name of a book in the Old Testament? If I said name a book of the Old Testament, could you do it? Just shout out one. Give me a name of a book. Jeremiah's a prophet. Give me another book. What? Isaiah. That's a prophet. Give me another book. Genesis, written by who? Moses, another prophet. Who? Give me some more books of the Old Testament. Who? Obadiah. Thank you for bringing up that unknown one. Probably most people never heard of that. Prophet. Come on, name all some other books. Amos, Ruth, etc. Now think about this. All of them. Ruth was not a prophet, but she was a righteous person. Almost all the people we just named, all of the people we just named were either prophets or righteous people. Do you know what they longed for? They longed for the day when Jesus would walk the earth. The Son of God would be with them, explaining the things of the kingdom to them. Now, I wonder if you and I appreciate it as much as they wanted to see it. You see, they looked forward to the cross. We look back towards the cross. They looked to the Old Testament and saw Christ concealed. We look to the New Testament and see Christ revealed. They look to the Old Testament to understand the kingdom. We look to the New Testament and see the kingdom. The question is whether or not do we have the same passion as these prophets and righteous people. That's what he was telling them. Jesus was looking at the bored looks and faces that weren't paying attention of his audience. And he said, do you understand this? The prophets and righteous people of the past, they long to see this day. But you see and don't see it. You hear but you don't hear it. You look at our world today and all the confusion that, that people have. Like I mentioned, Oprah Winfrey in her new series on belief and trying to compare all religions and saying that they're really just worshiping one God. You see, she doesn't understand. She sees the Bible. She hears the Bible, but she doesn't perceive the God of the Bible because he's not like any other God. You have friends and people around you that say, oh, I know that stuff. I've heard that stuff. I've heard of a parable one or twice in my life, once or twice in my life. But they're not applying it. And their hearts are hard. And now Jesus, after that introduction, somebody say, that's just the introduction. Now Jesus explains what his first parable means. See, the first parable was about the seed and a sower. The sower's the same and the seed's the same. But what we see is there's four different types of grounds. 
And listen to how Jesus explains it. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, about what? Are we talking about just about business today? Are we talking about sports today? When anyone hears the message of the kingdom, that's an important message, isn't it? Is there any message more important than the kingdom? This is Jesus talking. He says, when anyone hears the message of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. You see, you never would have known that the seed represented the word. You never would have known that the message of the kingdom is what the sower is doing. And you never would have known that it's the devil that is the bird eating that seed. But now you know. But hold on. How does the devil come and take the seed? Is it because they don't have faith that the devil can come and take it? No, it doesn't say that. Because faith comes by hearing the word. Just by hearing the Bible, faith will come into your heart as a response. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. That is always how it is. And when we hear the word, faith is there. But where does the devil have permission to come as a bird and eat the word that is in people's hearts? When they do not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown into the heart. You see, listen to me, my friends. On judgment day, you will not be able to use the excuse of ignorance. You will not be able to say, well, that Christianity stuff, I just didn't understand it. You know, that pastor would talk to me all the time, and I didn't understand it. No, the Bible says when you have heard the word, you must, you must take the appropriate steps that you have to to understand it. You must. You must go back home and read your Bible now. You must go through these parables. You must take it as the utmost serious thing possible. As if I was giving you the cure to cancer. As if I was giving you the cure to every disease. This is the greatest cure, the cure to sin. So when the preacher, the sower, comes with the word and you don't understand it, you will perish for your own lack of knowledge. You won't be handcuffed to me on judgment day. You will go to hell by yourself. And you won't be handcuffed to your children. You'll go to heaven and they'll go to hell if they haven't taken the time to understand. And trust me, Jesus talks a lot about heaven or hell. It's about ready to get scary in a lot of places. But listen to me. This is the parable that teaches us how to understand parables. This is that secret of the kingdom, which is when I hear God speak, I better do more than just listen. I better apply my mind to understand what he is saying. Because if I don't, the devil will come and take that seed. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Everybody say trouble or persecution. You see, I've met so many people like this in Christianity. They come to Jesus quickly. And they say, I'm going to live for God. And they're so happy. But the moment trouble comes into their life, the moment they have to break up with someone that they're not supposed to be with to stop doing some of the things that they've been doing or persecution people in their family don't like what they're doing or the people on their job don't like what they're doing, they quickly fall away. 
Jesus is telling us clearly here that just because you receive the word gladly doesn't mean you'll finish well. Now, if that doesn't put the fear of God in you, then you don't take Jesus serious. Jesus is talking as serious as he could be. He's talking to farmers, and he's saying, hey, you know when your seed doesn't go on good ground, doesn't get good root, and it dies? That will be like your life if you quit when trouble comes or when persecution comes. Some people can't even take a church service for more than a few minutes or an hour or two hours. They'll give hours to their sports and entertainment. Yet we have people right now across the world being beheaded for their Christian faith. And you may say to yourself, Pastor, I don't know if I could do such a thing. But here's the thing. If you don't trust God now, you will never trust him then. And if you think denying Christ in the face of persecution will get you a pity card to go into heaven, you're absolutely wrong. On his knees, that Christian is bent by the Muslim terrorist, and they put the knife to his throat, and they say, confess the shahada, which is there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. If that man, out of fear, says there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet, Allah Akbar, and just to be rude, they still kill him, that man will go to hell. Listen to me. God will have no pity upon you and your fear in those moments. You better take God seriously. I'm reading Jesus' words today. You understand that? Sometimes they take the children of the Christians and they kill them first. And they say, like to me, a parent, they say, we'll behead Zoe, your youngest, then we'll behead your son, and we're going to go through each one of them until you recant of, his, uh, recant of Christianity. That's persecution. That's what it looks like in the real world. It's not a game. It's not something that people play with. Jesus is saying, this is what makes people quickly fall away. And so today, my friends, I want to be very serious with you. Are you ready to lay down your life for Jesus? Because if you think on Judgment Day, you're going to be able to use this as an excuse and say, I couldn't live for you, God, because it was too hard. This is what he's talking about. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul, the apostle, was beheaded. This is a parable worth your time. Imagine that's you. You see, this is the parable Jesus is talking. Or some of you today, you would say, well, I don't have persecution like that, but you have trouble. Maybe your family member's dying of a disease. One of my friends right now, his daughter is dying of cancer. Dan calls daughter, Liz, keep her in prayer. She's on the deathbed. They're expecting her to pass at any moment. She's 30 years old, has a beautiful daughter. They found out she had cancer when she was pregnant. They said, abort the daughter, and you'll have better chances of surviving. She said, of course I won't do that. Praise God, she gave birth to a beautiful baby daughter. But now she's dying and she is in the hospital on her deathbed. And one of the main reasons that people quit Christianity is because of trouble. They say, look at all the problems of the world. Look at all the sicknesses. Look at all the diseases. How is it fair? Why would God let this happen? And God says, that's not an excuse. You cannot use the troubles of this world and allow it to dry up your faith and then expect on that day to be accepted in. This is the seed that falls on rocky ground. The next thing that he talks about is the seed that falls among the thorns. 
This refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of riches and wealth make it unfruitful. You see, once again, you think that worry would be a justifiable reason to not serve God wholeheartedly. God understands, right? The person has so many worries in their life. Maybe they have bills to pay. They can't afford this or that. Maybe they're living with a sickness like diabetes. Ought God to understand my weakness? Yes, he does. But he said, let my weakness, let your weakness become my strength. Believe that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He said, because otherwise these worries will choke out your life and you will have no fruit but be cast into the fire. We'll get into the cast into the fire part later. The deceitfulness of wealth. Why is wealth so deceiving? The Bible says that it's easier for the rich man to get into, it's either for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich man to go into heaven. And let me just talk to you, my friends, 2,000 years ago, comparative to what you and I all have now, we are that rich man. We are him. It's not Donald Trump. You have more than one pair of clothes. You have your own transportation. You have your food, your house, your clothing, your education. My friends, the American 21st century culture is that rich man. And Jesus is saying to us, it is easier for a camel to go through a needle than it is for Americans with their Xboxes and their Playstations and their cars and their designer clothes to get saved. Why? Because wealth is so deceiving. When Jesus compared your second competing master, he said it's either me or this master. The number one competing master, he said, was money. He said you can't serve God in money. He didn't say God or sex. He didn't say God or power. He said when it all comes down to your heart, it's going to be these two things, God or money. You don't need to have 666 tattooed across your forehead to be just as satanic as Satan himself. Satan was possessed with the love of things. He wanted the glory of God. He wanted this world. He wanted worship. All of these things come through the deceitfulness of what we call wealth today. Wealth will deceive you. Wealth will make you think your life is okay. Wealth will make you think that you're better than other people, that you're smarter than other people, that you deserve what other people don't have. And yet, if you are deceived by wealth, you will not get in. That is what Jesus is saying. And lastly, he says, but the seed falling on the good ground refers to someone who hears the word and what? Hears it and understands it. See, the first person didn't understand it. The devil comes and eats it. The second one doesn't let it go down deep into their heart. Persecution and trouble get burned it up. The third one wants to try to keep some of the world, some of the wealth, some of the worries with the things of God, and it can't be weeds and wheat like that. It is lost. This one says, I understand it, and I'll give it my all. And they bear fruit 160 or 30 times what was sown. So when we look at Jesus, the first parable that he teaches us is that the kind of choice you make when hearing God's word determines the kind of heart you will have. That is the overarching principle through the whole Bible. That is what Jesus is teaching you. When you hear it, you decide what heart do you have. Is your heart hard right now? Do you not want to understand what I'm saying? Do you want to put it on me and say, well, that's just that pastor's opinion? Or do you have a heart that hears it, understands it? You may be the one that says, well, I'll just do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, but you'll fall away when trouble comes. 
And you'll wonder why. You'll say, it worked for others, but it didn't work for me. No, let me tell you something, baby. The word always works, but you better work it. If you want the word to work for you, you better work that word. So if you fell away, it wasn't because the word was powerful. It was because your heart was shallow. And you were coming to God like, my name is Jimmy, and I'll take all you can give me. But the moment it costs you something, you said, I'm out of here. If it means I'm not popular, I'm going to go back to being with my friends. If it means I can't work this job, I'm going to stay on my job. If this means my family's going to get mad, I'm going to stop coming to church because I don't want to make grandma mad. And God is saying to you, you and I decide what kind of heart we have when we hear the word of God. It's our choice. God doesn't stick the word in us and force it down. He just comes out like a sower. Just throw in the seed. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Those who don't will hear but not perceive. They'll see but not understand. Why do you speak to them in parables? Because the kingdom of God is a secret. And only those who want to know the Father's heart get to know the secrets. That's what Jesus taught us. Now we can understand the rest of these five parables. Are you guys ready? Jesus told them another what? He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Jesus liked to tell parables about farmers. Must have been very popular at his time. This would be comparative of us talking about Vinny going to the pizza shop to make a pizza. We would understand that. There's a guy named Vinny. He goes to the pizza shop. He starts throwing pepperoni on it. He starts throwing sausages. We would understand that. There's a woman who goes to DSW to go shopping for shoes. We would understand that. But Jesus is talking to farmers. And so he says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while he was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. How many know there's been haters all in every generation? you got to hate somebody a lot to go put weeds in their wheat field. But you know what this is like today? Putting hate on social media. See, the farmer, if you didn't like somebody, go put some weeds in his field. Today you don't like somebody, write about them on Twitter or Facebook. Haters are going to hate. While everyone was sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat, and went away. The wheat sprouted and formed heads, and then the weeds also appeared. Everybody say wheat and weeds. Thank you. Verse 27, the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may also uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. Everybody say grow together. What if I told you, would you believe me, that God actually allows haters to be in your life and bad things to happen to you? What if I told you that this parable teaches that you won't ever in this life have a perfect environment, but God will use the weeds to make you stronger? Would you believe that? Because at this time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned and then gather the wheat into my barn. He says, hey, 
There was a guy sowing good seed. He was working hard. He planted a wheat field. But while everybody was sleeping, one of his enemies, one of his haters came and planted weeds. The guys get up, the farmers who, who work with them, the hired hands, they go, what are we going to do, man? We got weeds and wheat here. Should we pull them up? And he says, no, leave them. Let them grow together. When they're done growing, I'll take the wheat, harvest it, and the weeds I'll burn. Jesus has to explain this because do you understand it? Without the explanation, would you ever even know what he was talking about? You see, Jesus spoke to the crowd in parables. Look at verse 34. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowds in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. Does that sound familiar? You remember reading that today? So was fulfilled that was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So these are things that have been hidden literally since the creation of the world. You are hearing the secrets of the king. I'm not saying we're the only church in Chicago right now, but I'm telling you the church is the only place giving the secrets since the creation of the world. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him. Who came to him? His disciples came to him, thank you, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. Now he answered them, the one who sowed the seed is the son of man. That's Jesus. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the, is the devil. We have a problem right here now, don't we? Because if you're listening to this, if you're understanding this, we just heard Jesus say what is possibly the most harshest thing that could ever be said. He said, the weeds are people. Sometimes we think about hell as a place where lies go. Lies, bad things like lies go to hell. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, no, hell is not a place where lies go. It's a place where people who lie go? It's a place where people go. Sometimes we think of like it's on Sesame Street, murder. Like there's an M, there's an M, there's a U. That would be like a, a really disgusting Sesame Street show. But you get with me, you kind of get the, there's this thing called murder. And murder goes to, no, people who murder go to hell. People who are perverted go to hell. People are weeds unless they're born again. And if you remember the first part, they get thrown into the fire. So you take that serious? I take that serious. This is not Barney Jesus talking. This is him waking me up. I don't know if it wakes you up, but this speaks to my heart. There may be people in my life right now that I know don't like me, and they're an enemy to me. They hate on me, but they're real people with real souls. And if they don't repent... They'll go to hell. Now it's not about the offense we got. It's about me praying for my enemy. It's about me overlooking their offense and preaching the gospel to them. Because as much as they hate on me and I don't like it, I don't want to see them burn. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are the angels and the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire. People are burned in the fire. This is Jesus telling us this. People are burned like weeds in the fire. Well, I thought Jesus loved everybody. He did. 
He gave everybody a choice. He gave them the choice to hear. But when they didn't hear, he judged them. Choices affect your consequences. Whether you like the consequence, your choice gives you. If I make the choice to drive 100 miles an hour, I will get the consequence today of the highway patrolman stopping me, whether I like it or not. And so today what people are not understanding is that there isn't a middle ground. There isn't a place where Christians go to heaven, murderers like Hitler go to hell, but good people, good religious people get to go to somewhere else. No, no, no. If you're not of God, you're of the evil one, you will be plucked up and thrown into the fire like a weed. John 3.3 3 is really important right now, isn't it? No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Who did Jesus say that to, a crack addict? Did Jesus say that to the local Mussolini or Hitler of his time? No, he said it to a religious leader. It would be like Jesus sitting down with the Pope saying, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you don't get in either. No one gets in unless they're born again, John 3.3. 3. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Many people talk to me, and they say, why doesn't God just do away with evil? He's so smart, then. Why doesn't he just do away with evil? You know why? Because you're the evil. If God does away with evil, you go to hell. And so that's why he died, so that the evil of your heart could be changed. But if you don't change... You, the evil one, you, the evil one, myself as the evil one, go to hell. Now listen to Jesus. Jesus now gets very real. It's no longer about a parable about a guy sowing and some weeds getting burned. He says, they will be thrown into a blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says, hey, I'm talking to you now. I'm talking to you. He said, I'm being real. He says, those weeds are people, and they'll get thrown out with the devil into a blazing furnace where they will gnash their teeth. There are people who have watched burn victims while they've been burned alive. There's a, the story of a, of a trucker who was in an oil rig, and his truck tipped over, and he, is, he was pinned in it. He couldn't get out of the cab, and the oil and the gas is catching on fire, and as he was burning, he was gnashing his teeth and his tongue. The pain was so intense. This is what your Jesus says. He says, that's what it will be like. Nothing more, nothing more terrifying than to be cast out of God's presence into immense pain. But yet here, he says it's the same way in the opposite sense of extremity is for those who know him and love him, the wheat. Is there any wheats here today of God? Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Are you paying attention? That's what he said. He said, the weeds get thrown into the fire, weeping, gnashing of teeth. The righteous shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. One day, I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, one day, those that you look at now as sinners will be the most terrifying thing you can ever imagine as they are tortured in hell forever. And those you look at as Christians will be the most glorious things you've ever seen. You see, but we don't see it now, the evil ones or the righteous ones, because the kingdom is either being accepted or received in our hearts. But one day, if you don't know Christ, you will burn in hell. But those who know Christ, if you know him, you will shine brighter than the sun. What do we get from that parable that Jesus told? We get the lesson that those who follow God will always be surrounded by those who don't, and only God knows the difference. You can fake it with others, but God knows whether or not you're a weed or a wheat. The next parable that we see, 
that Jesus tells is the kingdom being like a mustard seed. He told another parable. Everybody say another parable. Now some of you all are getting bored with Jesus. I hope that you're not. How many can say another parable? Are you ready to hear Jesus' parable? He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds can come and perch on its branches. When we look at a mustard seed, what we begin to see is the smallest seed that they had in their time. You see, Jesus is talking to farmers. The first two have been about farming. This third one is about farming now. But he's talking to them. He's saying, look at this. You see that seed when you plant that mustard seed? You see how small it is? He says, but now look at this tree and look at how big it becomes. You see, at this point of Jesus' parables, people are probably getting a little bit discouraged. They're probably saying to themselves, God, who can really live for you then? How can I make it and really become that righteous person? But you see, now Jesus is reminding us it's not a matter of our works, but it's a matter of the work that he will do in us. And so that's what he's saying. He says, if you will just trust me this much, if you will just have this much faith, if you will believe in me, you will prosper in my kingdom. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And through me, you can do all things. And with the faith the size of this, you can move mountains. So you and I, we look at ourselves and we feel intimidated that we have nothing to offer Jesus, and that may be true, but what we do have is a choice to let him plant his word in us. And if we let him plant his word in us, whether it's so small compared to other people, it doesn't matter. God will prosper us and grow in us the strongest of lives. The strongest of lives. How does that person who's bowed to the Muslim with the knife to his neck speak that I'm still a Christian because he uses his mustard seed of faith? How do people make it through the troubles of their life? How, how is it while I'm watching right now this happen with Liz in cancer that people are writing on her page, whether she lives or dies, we will rejoice in God because God has been faithful to her. How do family members write that about their daughter knowing they're going to lose her? How does a mother say, I'll rejoice either way? Her best friends. Why? It's because they're using their mustard seed of faith. Just like Jesus said, though it's so small, it becomes so significant. It changes the world. You see, we won't be able to use our excuse on Judgment Day that I didn't have enough, that I couldn't do enough, that I wasn't enough, my family didn't have enough. God will say, I gave you enough. My word that was always being planted was more than enough. It never returns void. What is the lesson that we learn? God can use the smallest amount of our faith and effort to change the world. And I was going to put the tagline, starting with ours, starting with our world. He told them yet another parable. How many want to hear another parable of Jesus? He said the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. So here Jesus has been talking about farming. Now he's talking about a woman cooking. Hopefully, hopefully women don't take that offensive. But Jesus was just talking about the obvious. In his culture, probably the women did most of the cooking. And I'll be honest with you, I love to eat good cooking. 
And you know what? I actually watch cooking shows. So tonight the Cubs will be on. God is my witness. I'll be watching some cooking show. It's what I do. Now what's funny about that is that I'm most athletic, I'm more athletic than most people who watch sports because I love to play them. I just don't enjoy watching them. But here's one thing that I have learned while watching these cooking shows is that the ingredients matter. Too much salt, it's not good. Not enough, it's too bland. Especially when it comes to baking. Everybody will tell you, when you're cooking, you can pretty much go on the fly. Throw whatever you want in there. But when you come to baking, you better make sure you have the right amount of everything because every amount matters. And Jesus is talking to people who would know that unless the yeast goes through all of their dough, their bread will not rise and it won't taste good. Closest thing to this is what my mom and dad and I will have later today, pita bread at Central Heroes. You have that nice bread. It's fluffy. You tear it apart. That's how Jesus ate. This is how they ate then. And what I think that Jesus is saying here, because he doesn't go through the explanation, but I believe by looking at his teachings elsewhere, is that what he's saying is God wants his kingdom to transform and impact all of your life. You don't get to change the recipe and expect God's blessing. you got to let the yeast go all the way through you just the way he intended it. You don't treat God like he's that unannounced visitor in your life. Imagine if I just said, hey, we'll go to your house today, Jen. Let's have lunch there. Most people, including myself, would say, hold on, you stay out here for in front of the house. You stay out here, and they're going to run in and start putting clothes away. Would you have to do that, or do you keep your house nice and clean? Well, you're good then. I'll tell you what, Nancy and I would have to run into our room and put things away. But you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, I want to go into the closet. I want to go underneath the bed. I want to be on the computer, on the Internet, when you're there, sir, at 2 in the morning. Ma'am, I want to be there at your checkbook when you're writing bills. He says to us, I want to permeate you like yeast permeates dough. I want every single part of your life touched with my kingdom. You can't make a differentiation between this is my church life and this is my kingdom life or my non-kingdom life. No, no, no. Church is not where the kingdom is. You could be here all day. I could bring a pig in here every day and it'll still be a pig. I could bring a sinner here every day and it'll still be a sinner. The only person that gets changed from a sinner to a saint is someone who lets the kingdom come and totally transform their life. It's not this is my church face and this is my Monday face. It's not this is how I act when I'm with the Christian friends and this is how I act when I'm with non-Christian friends. No, I let the yeast of God impact my life. How many are letting the yeast of God do that? That's the way Jesus cooks all the way through. As we continue on in this wonderful sermon today, we see that Jesus continues to teach us things. The next thing that, I, that he does is he combines two together, and I think you'll get it. Look at verse 34. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. Now watch what he says here next. He then says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. And in verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Somebody say everything he had. You see, in one example, we see that a merchant is looking for a pearl. He says, I found that pearl. I want it. Let's say he only had $20,000. He goes up to the guy and says, how much you want for the pearl? The guy says, I want 20000 
He then says, well, all I got is 20000 so let's make a deal at 18000 I got to have some more money to get home. I got to be able to put some, you know, put some food in my horse to ride back. And the guy goes, no, 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 it's 20000 He goes, okay, well, listen, I understand 20000 is probably what you want, but how about 19500 At least let me just have a little bit left over so I can eat on my way home. No, 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 no. The guy responds back to him, this is the prize. 20,000. And then Jesus says, he takes everything he has. And he goes, okay, you got it then. I don't have anything left. The next one that we see is that he finds a treasure in a field. And then it says he sells everything he has just to buy that field. What do you think this teaches us? Once again, we don't see the explanation from Jesus But what I think it teaches us is that the kingdom of God is worth giving up everything you have to have it. Jose, would you come forward, please? Also, would you come as well, Um, Jerry? Can I borrow a penny from somebody? Does anybody have a penny we can borrow? Whoever has a penny is awesome. Alex, you have a penny? Oh, Maria, throw that penny up here to, to Jose. Thank you. We got enough. Some big rollers in the church. Now I want you to use, here's, now watch, I'm going to blow your mind. Open this up, please. I'm going to blow your mind. This is now my parable within a parable. It is like the movie Inception, a dream within a dream. So here's my parable within the parable that Jesus said. A man sold all he had to get the treasure of the field. Another place it says a man sold all he had to get the pearl. So imagine this is all you have, this penny. To you, this penny means everything because you don't have anything else. This represents your family. This represents your kids. This represents everything you believe in, this special in your life, your education, your hopes, your dreams. And you hold it in your hands. And this is your heart. And now God says to you, here is my kingdom. Now let's pretend this is Bill Gates' credit card. $70 billion, if it could be such, all represented on here. What is worth more, this credit card of $70,000 or that penny? Don't be over-spiritual. Which is worth more? What would you rather have, $70 billion or a penny? This is what God is telling us. So the trade is worth it. If the merchant sells all he has for the treasure, that treasure better be worth more than all he had if he's a smart merchant. If that man gave everything he had to have that pearl, that pearl better be worth more than what he had if he's a smart man. Otherwise, he's not going to be a good merchant for very long. And so this is what Jesus is saying. Here's the trade. I'll give you everything I have. I'll give you the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, and I'll give you all these things shall be added unto you, Matthew 6, 33. But I only do it under one condition. It's everything you have. At this point... We could argue with Jesus. Jesus, you can have everything but my job because you know what? I'm going to keep that to myself. Jesus says, no. Everything includes your job. Jesus, I'll give you everything except my family because, you know, they're Catholic. They raised me this way. And if I start telling them I'm born again, if I start telling them I speak in tongues, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, they're going to disown me. Jesus says, no, it's, it's everything. It's your family too. We have a young girl in our first service who comes from a Hindu background. She was all but disowned by her family when she became a Christian. That's another story. But she said, I'll I'll give everything. And then the trade is made. He takes your life and gives you his life. 
He takes your pain and all the things that you've been holding on to, and he gives you his treasure forevermore. But I want to tell you this. Hold it tight. He won't rip open your heart and make you do it. He won't force you to do it. He won't tickle you. He won't bribe you. He doesn't say, hey, you want heaven? No, no. The kingdom of heaven, as we learn, is about the king, not about the place called heaven. So he doesn't say, come up here. You'll get to fish. You'll get to ride bikes. You'll get to go shopping. No, no. He says, come follow me. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. You see, it's all about the exchange, and it's not about manipulation. Can you guys give it up for Jose and all that he did? Amen. Thank you. And would you stand up with me, please, in closing the last parable? How many learned something today from Jesus' parables? The last parable, once again. Everybody say, once again. You're not tired, are you? Somebody say, once again. You see, Jesus was a communicator. He understood that you may be getting tired of parables. That's why he kept saying intermittently through this passage, he said, who's got ears? Let them hear. Are you paying attention? Are you hearing this? And then now he goes, hey, once again, don't forget this. So I think if this is the last one of this setting, it's very important for us to hear. He goes, once again, there's Jesus talking. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and called all kinds of fish. See, right there, Jesus is talking to me. See, I'm not a farmer, but I'm a fisherman, and I have a cast net, and I know exactly what he's talking about, and I've studied how these guys used to fish, and I wish I could do it. And there are places they still do it around the world, in places like Israel and in other places like that. He says, hey, fishermen go out and fish, and they catch fish in these nets. See, he's got my attention. Okay. I can imagine this. We're on the lake. We're on the river. We're throwing out nets. We're bringing them in. We got all kinds of fish. When I go fishing in the... In, in Florida and in New Orleans, I could catch shark, stingrays, redfish, tuna. I mean, anything you can imagine. I catch all kinds of fish. Okay, I get you, Jesus. What are you saying here? When it was full, the fishermen pulled it onto the shore. They sat down and collected good fish in baskets, but threw the bat away. See, I think if you remember his other parable, you might know where he's going here. See, okay, you threw the bat away. Okay. This is how it will be at the end of the age. Well, well, Jesus, you're repeating yourself. Why do you think Jesus said once again and repeated himself very similar to the weeds and the wheat? Because he wants us to know how serious this is. So he says, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the what? The righteous. And throw the wicked into what? The blazing furnace where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I love Jesus. Look at this. Please don't miss this before you go. Please, if you value your soul, I'm being very honest with you. If you value your eternal soul, please listen to this. Look what Jesus says right at the end. Have you understood all these things? He comes from heaven to earth. The son of God, born of a virgin. And he uses examples that a child can understand. Why? Because he loves us. He doesn't want anybody missing the point. He wants us all to be in his kingdom. And then the Son of God, out of the most ultimate humility, I couldn't even imagine this. He looks at his people out of love and he goes, do you understand what I just told you? 
Do you understand? Do you understand what I just told you here? Because if you do, you're good. If you don't, you're in trouble. Do you understand? I'm asking you today, friends. Do you understand the parable about the sower sowing seed on four types of ground? Do you understand? Do you understand the parable of the weeds and the wheat? Do you understand it? Do you understand the mustard seed and what it teaches you? Do you understand the yeast and the dough? Do you understand the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price? And do you understand the good and bad fishes? The Bible says that the disciples answered back, yes. Men, a few words, yes. You think Peter lived it out? James, John? Well, what about Judas? What about Judas? Altar workers, would you come, please? In closing, I want you to see this. That Judas was there when they said yes, but he never did what he was told. I want to ask today, not that I'm any better than you, not that I'm any better than you in any way, but I'm asking you, as I've asked myself, do you really understand? Because you could sit here just like the rest of them. We understand, Jesus. Come on, it's time to go. You've done told us enough parables for today. You've bored us. We don't really see any of this happening right now. So let's go. I understand. I got it. And you could just see Judas going with the crowd. I understand. I got it. Let's go. Oh, but did you? When they offered you 30 pieces of silver to betray me, did you? When your friend said, let's go get high, did you? When your boyfriend or girlfriend says, let's have sex before marriage, did you? Next week when you feel tired and don't want to come to church, did you? When you go through the loss of somebody you love and the devil tells you there's no God, did you understand? When you're giving your tithe but you still don't got money for bills, did you understand? When your friends leave you, and they don't return your calls. And they say, this is why. Because you're a church-going person. Did you really understand? Because I'll tell you what. In my 20 years, I've gotten tested over every one of these parables. And I know them. I study them. I have preached them. Oh, but it's a whole other thing to live them. Because that means you mean it from your heart. The kingdom of God, in closing, is far too grand for our earthly brains to fully understand. However, if we humble ourselves and listen to Jesus' parables, can you scroll that up, please? We will understand God's truth and will never be the same again. I need to keep, you need to go up, please. We will never be the same again. Think about this. Just as the sun shines through a window, being so far away and greater than what we experience, so is God's presence shining in our lives through Jesus' words. Right now, that sun is beaming down. But you're so far away from it. But you can feel its heat. And God is saying, sometimes you may think I'm way over there, but you can feel me here. And if you'll trust me, I'll take care of you. And if you'll follow me, I'll have you be in my kingdom forever. My decision today is to follow that man. Kingdom, kingdom parables teach us kingdom principles. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for the principles you've taught us. 
as we get ready to dismiss, I pray that you'll help us to apply them to our lives. Right now, with every head bowed and eyes closed, before we go, would you make it personal? Just as Jerry sings softly in the background, what one of these parables spoke to your life today? Which one of these parables spoke to you? Because right now, you need to make it real with God. Which ones? Does the one about the foreground speak to you? Are you the kind of person that's been quitting on God, going in and out of church, in and out of relationship with Him? Have you been allowing weeds to grow up in your life? Are you the kind of person that makes excuses? Pray right now and ask the Lord to make your heart pure so that you can live this out. Are some of you today like the weeds and the wheat? You feel that you got all these problems in your life, all these people around you, and you feel like wanting to quit, but God says, no, I'm leaving you there. I'm leaving you there so that these make you stronger, that your faith makes, that, that, your, that your trials make your faith stronger. If that's you, ask the Lord today to give you strength not to faint, to make it through and persevere. What about a mustard seed today? Do you feel like all you have is just a little bit to offer God? But you're afraid to give it a shot and to plant it in your heart? You're afraid to really live for God? If that's you today, plant that seed in your heart. Say, Jesus, use me. Here's my faith. Here's all that I have. I can't lie. I'm not going to pretend I'm something I'm not, but use me. Are you today being touched by that parable of the yeast? Have you not let God permeate every part of your life? Right now, surrender. Say, Lord, I give you my relationships. I give you my computer accounts. I give you my entertainment. I give you my, uh, my social media. I give you my job. Let your yeast work through me. Are you somebody today that wants to trade all you have for the kingdom like the treasure and the pearl? But you're not sure if God is worth it all? Why don't you ask the Lord to show you how great his glory is? Why don't you seek out to understand how small and insignificant you are to how great his love is and make your trade today. Give up your treasure for his endless kingdom. And lastly, right now, are you here today afraid that you're going to be one of those bad fish cast out and thrown away? Well, then repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you so you can be confident that I am a righteous son or daughter. I'm the good one. I'm the one that God keeps. 30 more seconds right now, you and God. Come on, which parable spoke to you? Which parables are you going to let change you today? Jesus never spoke without parables. Everything he taught was in a parable because he loved us. 15 more seconds. Devotion belongs to this one. Come on. In closing right now, I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. Thank you for your patience. As I get ready to close out, matter of fact, I'll have Tony pray for us. You may be dismissed. Enjoy cafe time fellowship. But those who want to mean serious business with God, I would invite you to come worship. Just even hang, up at the, hang out at these altars. And if you need prayer for any of these issues, you have brothers and sisters that will pray with you. Un, 
judging, non-condemning, but just lifting you up to the Lord because it's important to us that you make it into the kingdom. Tony, would you pray for us today? Hallelujah, Lord. God, we just thank you for this word that you brought forth to us today. God, I just pray that we would not leave this place, Lord God, and just hearing the word but not applying it to our lives, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that this word, Lord God, would seek into, seep into our lives, Father God, and that the parables, Lord God, that we have covered, Lord God, would be, um, Lord God, just your words, Lord God, and the lessons that you teach us, Lord God, for our lives, Lord God. God, you are awesome, you are mighty, Lord, and I pray for everyone here, Lord God. Lord God, bless us, Lord God, as we, have, as we enjoy, Lord God, a new week ahead. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say it's all about the kingdom. God bless you. If you need prayer, come on up. Just give me Jesus. God bless you as you go. But if you would like to come up here and mean business with God, we'll pray with you. Or if you just want to worship with us today. Come on. Give me Would you leave up the words for us, please? Take it all. So won't you take it all? Take it all. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Because I don't want Can you pay attention up here, please? Thank you. Just in a minute. Thank you. I don't want any other And then can you bring my laptop? If you need prayer, come on. We're going to pray for you. Don't wait. Don't wait. Just come and get right with God. We love you, Lord. You know, just as Jerry just sings, I want to end with a song that's going to really encourage, I feel, some of you today. Can you bring me up the mouse pad, please? Just keep singing, Jerry, and I want to end with a song that's online. But those who are worshiping, come on, let's just mean it from our heart today. Take it all away, Jesus. And just give me who you are. Just give me Jesus, mouse pass. Just give me Jesus. And won't you take it all, take it all. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Because I don't want any other.
Just one more time. I don't want any other lover. I don't want any other lover. And I don't want any other lover. Amen. Would you put up that YouTube? I mean, uh, the volume for the computer nice and loud for me, Jose. Thank you. Those who are hanging out, I want to worship with you to this last song before we go. Thank you, Jerry. About going after God and knowing heaven's light is with us. You'll see the words up here in closing. It's such a powerful song. Those who are praying, keep praying. Those who would like to come up, come on up. We walk in heaven's light. We shine for all to see. The beauty of the one who sets the cat. Give me just a moment. Here's the actual lyrics. I want you guys to see this. It's such a powerful song. So you guys can sing along. I want to sing it with you, those who are praying and worshiping. Let's give it all to God here. Heaven's light. The Bible says we will shine Except like the, the sun. sun. Put it up just a little bit, please. We walk in heaven's light. Come on. We shine for all to see the beauty of the one who sets the captive free. His kindness leads us all, mercy breaks every chain, off of the weary soul. Come on, you need who that today? Calls on who Jesus calls on Jesus' name? name? He will set us free. In the kingdom, there is freedom, there is love, there is power, all that we need. Say it out, hallelujah, heaven's light, hallelujah. And still we shine with the dawn of heaven's light. We love you today, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. To set my eyes on him, though trouble comes to sway. My source of hope is sure. I trust him and obey. His word upon my left a mark on me his fire in my bones I cannot ever free Ooh, Jesus we love you God hallelujah we lift our eyes with the dawn of has been so good to us. The grave, for he 
has conquered death and with his blood secured our great inheritance the kingdom of our god the power of his love do you believe that in us that we might that we might overcome hallelujah hallelujah we love you god jesus jesus in your kingdom that we will shine God just like you said in your word oh Lord that we would shine so bright oh God so no matter what comes our way no matter what troubles we face we would shine for you just those that are still here with me Rachel would you uh as a matter of fact, Jose, just put on something lightly. But those who are just here, that's okay, Rachel. Those who are here, I'm going to close out with this. That we would believe that no matter what would come our way, we would live for Jesus. Have my mom and dad here today. We've lost my sister, my mom's daughter, drinking and driving. No matter what comes our way, we will trust in God. Lord, we commit our lives to you. And now, Lord, those of us who are just here, I pray, God, that we'll take your kingdom parables, those principles, and bring them to the world around us. That we won't be discouraged if people don't want to hear it. Because, Lord, not everybody wanted to hear what you had to say. But, Lord, we will be persistent, sowing good seed into ground till it finds that good ground. And that, Lord, when we come back here next week, we won't come alone. We'll come with other sons and daughters of the kingdom. We'll come with new people. We'll fill these chairs up. We'll see the kingdom come to this earth, Lord, and transform our lives. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, can I hear you say amen? I'm believing for it. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for staying for the after party. Hang out, give somebody another hug. The van will be leaving in five minutes. And so um, for those, if you could hear me out in the lobby, if you took the van here to the church, uh, we will be leaving in five minutes.
So please meet me outside. Thank you.